Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Nights in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, December 3rd, 2023. Coming to you live from Floyd Media here in Rockville Center. Another fantabulous episode coming up for you tonight. Stefan Rosner with me, as always, over here. We got Ethan Sears of the New York Post joining us a little bit later. My name is Sean Cuthbert. Welcome to the program. Stefan Rosner, how you doing tonight, bud? I feel terrible. Terrible. Yeah, it's been a tough weather change. Always messes with my sinuses. As you can tell, I sound congested as you know what, but uh, we power through. We power through. Yes, we do. Welcome to the program, an early edition here of Hockey Night New York, a 7 p.m. start. And want to start by thanking all of our wonderful sponsors with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, Satisfy Your Hunger at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. Remember to check them out at bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online. Also proud to be sponsored by Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd and unplug your game at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Also proud to be sponsored by Razor and Kniff Attorneys at Law. Ready to fight for you. Check out razorandkniff.com, R-A-I-S-E-R-A-N-D-K-E-N-N-I-F-F.com. For a free consultation. So once again, without the pleasantries out of the way, Stefan, just as we wrote it up last week, the Islanders are in a, are in a playoff spot. Somehow the, the second wild card, uh, let's see here, they're 10-7-6 with 26 points. They're, what, two back of, I think, the, the third spot. They're close to the second spot. They're two back of the first wild card spot. They're in the playoff mix. They're, they're in there after a 2-1 record. Heading down the uh, the East Coast, and uh, wouldn't you know it? Here, here they are. After after all the uh, the talk about Lane Lambert getting fired and and the blown leads, somehow they find themselves in a playoff spot in December. Yeah, they're, all these stats make no sense. Right? Zero. They make zero sense, <laughs> which is why which is why the game is played. The stats don't matter. But uh, I think you saw improvements. Maybe I guess you want to call them in each game they played. They played Jersey, blow it late, don't get any points. Carolina, blow yeah. it late, get a point. Florida hold the lead win. So I think that's, you know, baby steps. Yeah, I guess so. And and that's kind of what we should discuss, right? Like really, you know, it's only three games. We see an improvement. They they played three strong teams or teams that are supposed to be strong this year, which is, I guess, encouraging. And I guess at the end of this, you have to just wonder, you know, how how is everybody supposed to feel after this week? You know what I mean? Like like you, you blew another lead, another two goal lead against the Devils. They don't even get the point in that one. Yeah, right? that was bad. What twenty five or so seconds away from closing that one out or getting to overtime in that one because they had already given up the the tying goal around like the ten minute mark of the third period. Yeah. Uh, but they're about twenty five seconds away from getting another point, maybe getting the second one in overtime. Uh, they squander that one, and and wouldn't you know it? It looks like they're finally gonna do it against the Carolina Hurricanes. And it was like Groundhog Day where, nope, you couldn't get to the regu- the end of regulation without the Islanders giving up another tying goal. They do. And, you know, you thought I, th- I thought, I was like, well, this one's going to be a loss too. There's no way they're taking this in overtime of the shootout because that just had to take any win that they might have had in their sales just completely gone. But somehow they end up uh, having a nice little overtime there. Matt Barzell gets the game-winning goal. And then wouldn't you know it, going to Florida, and they actually win in regulation. They hang on to the lead. Yeah, I think Florida was their most impressive win because Matthew Barzal didn't play. 
And he was on an absolute bender those first two games of the road right, trip. Right. He doesn't play. And then also you lose Brock Nelson for the final five minutes of the second period. So you saw a lot of players step up. We'll get to it. But Godier with his first goal as an Islander. Yep. Holmstrom sets a new career high with seven goals. Engvall scores a goal. Anders Lee on the power play, which is, that was him being on the top power play unit because Barzal wasn't there. Mm. So he was playing on that unit as well. So I, you saw a lot of players step up. And I, I think I said it on Twitter, but the good teams get that depth scoring. That's Good teams find a way to get depth scoring because the best of the best get yeah. shut down. So Islanders needed that against a strong Panthers team who did go with their backup, which was a little questionable because they had a couple of days off. I don't think they played till Wednesday. Stolarz has been pretty good this year, but he wasn't sharp, and the Islanders took advantage. Yeah, you get JGP also getting his first goal against the Devils. Yeah. So a lot of secondary scoring. We're going to get into that a little bit. But, but yeah, I mean, it's funny now because... After the dust settled on this week, you have, you know, everybody on Islanders Twitter, myself included, posting all of these interesting stats. Yeah. Eric Horn, everybody's out there, you know. And, you know, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, they're they're five, one, and four in their last ten, which on paper, you know, ain't bad. You know, that's a pretty damn good record. It was they were almost unbeaten in regulation, if not for the devil game, right? So it kind of spins the narrative just a bit where you know, if they continue to win games like the ones they did this past week, then all of a sudden, and I kind of, you know, hinted at this last week, where maybe those games earlier on in the season, you know, don't look so bad where they blew those leads because they still got points from those games. And and I guess what I was going to say to you was, like, would we have looked at those games in a better light if they were trailing in those games and they caught up and earned those, you know, loser points? You know what I mean? So it's like it's all perspective, right? So is it better that they came out to better starts, they had the leads, they couldn't hang on to them, versus if they came out slow, which we were more used to last season, and maybe clawing back to get a point against Jersey earlier in the season against Caroline instead of giving up a three-goal lead, right? But they're still getting... One thing is they're getting the goals against these teams, right? They're putting up three or yeah. four goals against a lot of the good teams, you know, even Colorado, they put up four, even though they lost 7-4 after an empty netter or two. But they are putting up goals against these teams, but they're just not able to prevent enough, at least in the earlier going, to, to get wins out of these games. Well, that's the thing with Sorokin, is everybody wants to hound, again, stats, you could use any stats to really back it up. You just gave their stats over their last 10 games. They're 5-1-1 one, one over the last seven. So you just, right. you know, mix and match stats. But with Sorokin, they're finally giving Sorokin the goal support. But they're not, lock, they're not helping him out enough defensively for those goals to matter. So yeah. that's why, like, again, he has, like, an over three goals against average, but his save percentage is, is 9-13 or whatever it is. And that, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's kind of crazy how that happens. Everyone's saying, oh, Sorokin's not taking advantage of the goal support. But, again, the honors aren't helping him at all. They're just scoring a little more. Yeah, and there was a couple of games yeah. where they did give him some goal support, and you might have said there was one or two where mm -hmm. Sorokin could have held on to it and, and maybe helped them out with the win. But I think Sorokin's been doing more of the heavy lifting than uh, you know the, the squad in front of him. But but yeah, you, you know, 5-1-1, one, and one, I, I said it on Twitter after Eric Horner put it out there. I was like, that has to be the most uncomfortable 5-1-1 <laughs> one, and one run for, in Islanders history because, I mean, they literally had to sweat out all of those wins, like, starting with the, the win against Calgary, right? Another. Yeah. Yeah. Another game where they, they blew a lead and they had to, you know, squeeze twice. out a, a shootout win. Right. They blew a lead twice. Right, yeah. exactly. So it's just like, you know, is this is this just going to be heart attack special from, from here on out till 82 games are over? Or, you know, is, is it going to be a little more reflective of the Florida game where they actually were able to hang on to the lead, close the game out in regulation? Not to say there weren't moments of nerves because it was still tight and everybody yeah. was still waiting for that that tying goal to come before it was over but they did a good job of clamping it down and I guess you know are they really turning a corner here or is it just gonna or like was this the 
were these the games that kind of go against the norm? You know what I mean? That's what we got to find out now, right? If Are they turning a corner? Are they heading towards betting, better play? Or did they kind of just find, uh, you know, a little magic in a bottle, I guess you would call it, you know, getting a couple of wins here, a couple of points from these teams, you know, and then, but then you look at the shot totals, yeah. 43, they put up a, you know, they let up against Carolina, they left 45 last night against Florida, that one didn't even get to overtime, so... <laughs> I, I'm just not sure, you know, when it's going to be okay to feel good about this. You know, how how much more of this do we have to see before we can be like, okay, I guess this is who this Islander team is. Yeah, and I thought I thought the Carolina game where they got absolutely that was like their first game they played a really good team and got flat out dominated. The other games we talked about it last week where they were in it enough where you could say, oh, they could hang with them against right. Carolina. Look like a different they were playing in a different team in a different league. Yeah, I, wouldn't you know it? Like that's the that's the game that they finally beat Again, a good team. It, it makes no sense. They barely showed up for the second period. I don't think they got their first shot on goal until yeah, what, we could five talk about that. Was to go and and that was a goal. That was <laughs> Holmstrom's yeah. shorthanded goal was their first shot of the period. Right. Engvall's goal was their first five on five shot of the period. It was again stats don't make sense. No. I thought maybe getting a win out of that would have not woken the group up and been a game to build on. But the Panthers, when I think with again with Barzal being out last second. Godier coming in and having the game he had, Holmstrom, mm. all those guys we talked about, that's one of those games where that can get a group going. You can thought maybe after Calgary, that was the same thing where they just find a way to snap the streak and turn the page. Right. You got to see them win a couple of games where they hold leads. Like the Panthers game, they hold leads. And I want to get to a quote from Noah Dobson after the game. I asked him about the guy stepping up in Barzal's absence. He gave a fantastic quote. Well, I thought they were great. Uh, Goat, I think he came up, played with Horvat and Lee um, for most of the night. But he, he's a he's an animal. He's a tough uh, he's tough to handle, and he's moving. He's a big body. And then Homer, he's just continues to each game get better and better, score big goals for us. So it's nice to see those guys contribute to a big one. And the the penalty kill, by the way, too, has been a lot better than it was on that on that losing skin. Not saying they haven't allowed goals, but they've been much sharper in what they do. Sorokin also has to be a, a big part of that. Last night, I think you saw you saw something different with Sorokin, whereas in other games, maybe he's over-pushing or, or trying to cheat a little bit. But when he was sliding to make saves, he wasn't over-sliding. He was catching the puck. Mm-hmm. The rebound control wasn't amazing in that game. He did get a lot of help, I think, in front of him and just clearing the zone and stuff like that. But he looked a lot more confident. Again, I think over maybe his three of his last four starts, he's kind of looked like the guy from last year, and that's huge for this team. Butch was noting on the broadcast that he was coming out of his crease and challenging more, so he looked a little more himself, a little more confident. You mentioned the penalty kill. They killed eight of nine over the course of these three games, which is obviously good to see. And wouldn't you know what? The power play had a goal in all three games. So the power – I mean, I guess now, what, 23-ish, 20 – whatever it is, 26 games into the season – I mean, you kind of just got to admit they, they have a good power play at this point, right? Yeah, and again, I think it's Enough more important size now. when guys are gone. Like, Anders Lee scoring his power play goal. Again, he's not he hasn't been on the top unit. You could say he stepped up, but I mean, he's in front of goal and did what he have to. He did his job. And I think that's what you're seeing, too, in the power play is they're not really doing what they were doing where they overpassing too much. They're getting the shots. I mean, mm-hmm. you saw last night, not at the power play, just five-on-five five play. Um, Romanov's shot produces a rebound for Engvall. Godier's shot produces a rebound for Holmstrom. They're not pretty goals. They don't have to score pretty goals. This is not a team that has this four or five elite guys that are going to come down the right. wing and snipe. You're going to have to go hard to the net, which is something I thought they weren't doing enough of during their skid, and you get the greasy goals, and that's what you have to do. That's how you're going to have to do it, especially when you don't have the elite talent that some of these other teams have. Yeah, for sure. And before we break for Ethan Sears, I'll just rattle off some stats here. The power plays now at a 23.4% clip. That's good for ninth overall going into today. Penalty kill, 72.6% tied for 30th 
overall. So they still have a lot of ground to make up if they want to climb up th- those standings. But, uh, folks, I want to thank you all for tuning in to this early edition of Hockey Night in New York. Thank you for tuning in to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY. We're going to take a break. On the other side, Ethan Sears of the New York Post will join us. If you're an Islander fan, there's nothing like a big win, a tasty meal, and great company. And Blue Line Deli and Bagels provides all that and more. Owned and operated by diehard Islander fans, Blue Line Deli and Bagels happily serves Bagel Boss bagels and a full menu of delicious food and beverages. Whether it's breakfast favorites like pancakes and omelets, specialty heroes and wraps like the hat trick and the hip check, or fresh made coffee and smoothies, Blue Line Deli and Bagels has you covered. So stop on in to the flagship location at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington or the new spot at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip for their familiar friendly service and the best food around. And don't forget, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com or pick up the phone and call 631-944-3222. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The train rolls on here at Hockey Night in New York. And joining us from the New York Post is Mr. Ethan Sears. Ethan, welcome back to the program. How you been, bud? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Absolutely. So before you came on, Stefan and I were talking about this 2-1 and road trip down the East Coast for the New York Islanders. They beat a couple of good teams in Carolina and Florida. They nearly beat a good team in the New Jersey Devils. Solid little trip for them. But, uh, of course, as it's been all season, it wasn't easy. What did you make of this trip for the Islanders? Well, any time that you go on the road and, and play three teams that were in the playoffs last year, come away with four points, that's that's got to be a success just as a top line sort of matter. Um, obviously, they left at least a point, if not two, on the table in New Jersey. And uh, obviously, like you said, it wasn't a particularly uh, pretty pair of wins. But, um, you know, given the way this team has has played at certain points this season, I think that it's it's a really important two wins. It's it's kind of a statement in saying, you know, hey, these guys aren't going to uh, go away and you can't really, you know, start writing them off in, in the playoff race yet. In terms of Julian Godier, I know we've talked about him, Ethan, and he hasn't gotten a lot of action at all. But, you know, what have you seen from him over this last three or four games? I mean, he's played in the fourth line. He's played in the third line. He played in the top line last night and obviously came through with a big goal. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously the speed with him is is where you really want to start, and and that's making a big difference for them. You know, as for me, he's done enough to kind of say, okay, he's going to have to stay in the lineup at least for the time being. You know, I, I don't really know how you can take him out after a really strong game in Florida the other night, uh, scored his first goal as an Islander. I think now you have to start wondering, okay, well, you know, who's going to come out when, you know, obviously Matt Barzell is, is going to come back in tomorrow night. You know, is that going to be an Oliver Wallstrom? Is it going to be a Hudson Fashing? Because it probably can't be a Julian Gauthier with what he's shown. Ethan, Matt Barzell, he's he's getting a lot of shots on goal. He's, it sounds like he's going to shatter his shots uh, for a full season here if he keeps going at the rate he is. Do you think that's more just on his game? Or, or how much would you say Bo Horvat's addition to this team uh, is kind of responsible for that? The fact that, you know, Barzell is kind of unleashing a shot and he's, he's getting rewarded for it. Yeah, I mean, obviously having Bo Horvat next to him doesn't hurt, right? But, um, you know, I, I do think that Barzal has some has a lot of responsibility for it. Just in talking to him, you know, he's, he's said to me, I think more than once, that 
um, after, you know, a, a few of the early games this season, he he thought he wasn't really quite playing his game. He was still adjusting to wing and he decided that he kind of had to take things more into his hands and, you know, demand the puck a little bit more, um, take more control instead of just letting it come to him like he maybe kind of could at center where the puck would just naturally find him more. Um, and I think that this is really the result of that sort of aggressive mentality on his part. And, and you're seeing it really pay off. Yeah. Ethan, just want to ask you too about um, Mike Riley, obviously playing in his first couple of games, with the Islanders, what really stood out to you from him so far? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the devil game was, was a little bit hairy, probably understandably given, you know, he had one practice. It's a very quick turnaround and, you know, he looked a little out of sorts there. Uh, not, not super surprisingly, but you know, I think you've started to see him maybe get uh, a little bit more comfortable as the games have gone on. Uh, I thought the Florida game was was probably his his best so far. And, and that makes sense, right? The more experience you have in a system, the better and more comfortable you're going to be. So, I mean, look, obviously, it's not a an ideal situation for the Islanders on the back end right now. It, it kind of just feels like, can they survive enough that, that their goaltending can put them over the top? But given the circumstance, I, I think you have to at least give Mike Riley a, a passing grade so far. I, I don't know that it's you know necessarily an A, but they've survived. They've, they've gotten through it and, and he's been able to help them do that. And Ethan, we might as well stick on the D for a little bit here. Sam Balduke, he gets his uh, season high 16 minutes and 15 seconds against Florida last night. Is is he starting to improve? Because this is a guy we've been focusing on all season here where you know obviously the fans and the team itself were kind of hoping that he was going to take another step here on this decor. And it's been a little slower than uh, than we've expected. Probably a part of the reason outside of the injuries why a guy like Mike Riley gets brought in. Uh, what have you seen out of, out of Balduke on this trip? And, and is, is he improving? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's funny you ask that because I, I have my notes from last night pulled up right here, and um, and you know, it's it's I had it written down, you know, hey, that he was making some good breakout passes, he was looking a little more comfortable. Those are real steps for him, you know. It, obviously, the next question is, can it actually last? He looked like somebody at the start of this year who really was not a hundred percent confident in himself, and and maybe was still kind of adjusting to to the speed of of the NHL game. At least at least last night, you know, we don't want to get too far out ahead of ourselves. I, I thought that that wasn't really the case. I thought he was much more comfortable. You know, he made a made a good first pass. He he looked like he knew where he had to be. You know, really positive steps for for a young defenseman to to be taking and the Islanders really need that to sort of hold and and, and improve as as opposed to, you know, doing the opposite. Ethan, with Wallstrom, after the Carolina game, Lambert uh, called him out, especially due to his um, not being consistent offensively. And then last night, he gets moved from the top line with Barzell out down to the third line. Did you think last night was more of just Godier playing really well, or do you think Wallstrom still is just not giving Lambert what he needs at this point? It's a little of both, right? Um, certainly, Gautier kind of, you know, was like, like we were just talking about, made his case pretty well last night. But at the same time, it's on Wallstrom to to do the same thing. I don't know that it was, you know, a terrible game by him or anything like that. I, I'm not saying that, but he maybe wasn't making that case in the same way as, as Gautier was. As a result of that, I mean, this is this is an Islanders team that has a, a lot of options in its bottom six, and a couple guys are going to have to come out every night, right? And, you know, assuming that Matt Barzell is feeling better tomorrow night, you probably have to ask the question, or excuse me, on Tuesday night, you probably have to ask the question, you know, okay, well, does Wallstrom now come out of the lineup and, 
you know, whether it's intended as a message to him or it's just, hey, Julian Gauthier was playing really well and you can't really take him out, you know, I'm sure that he will receive it as a, a message to him, if, if that makes sense. We're talking to Ethan Sears, the New York Post, on the line here at Hockey Night New York. Yeah, Ethan, it looks like Wallstrom just seems to be squandering these opportunities here where everybody around him seems to be picking up their play. I mean, we were talking about it before you came on to Holmstrom now, seven goals, a guy who maybe in the beginning of the season you wondered if he was going to get sent down to Bridgeport just, yeah. for, just for salary reasons. Now there's no way you can take him out with the way he's scoring goals, the way he's obviously playing on the penalty kill. But speaking of special teams, we were talking about it before you came on as well. Power play, solid, top ten. Uh, what's going on there? How did the Islanders turn around their power play? I think you probably have to start with with Noah Dobson and and just in general the the confidence that he has, uh, the way he's playing the game, the way he's moving the puck. You know, last year I remember thinking, you know, at times, wow, they really kind of need to take him off this top power play, and, yeah. and it took them a long, long. I think they finally did it in Game Six against Carolina, but. He, he he was just struggling out there on the power play and and this year i mean it, it's night and day i think that they've they've changed up their entries a little bit it, it's not major but you see some tweaks there i think there's more options than just kind of you know a plain sort of drop pass to barzal he has a few more options when he's skating into the zone which i think has sort of helped them sort out that particular issue and and i you know i think just the confidence right last year they weren't scoring and when you're not scoring it spirals. You know, Bo, Bo Horvat said to me a week or two ago, you know, there were times where we thought, you know, we would have rather declined the penalty. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people watching probably felt the same way, right? And now they go out there and they they feel like they're going to score. They feel like they're going to have a good two minutes. You know, even if they're not going to score, they're holding the puck in the zone. They're passing it well. Confidence feeds into results, right? And, and I think you're really seeing that. Yeah, it's amazing what a turnaround both special teams uh, <laughs> have shown, uh, you know, going north and or south. And and just to touch on the power play again, and not only is it performing better as a whole, but it's also because it's it's happening by committee. You're getting contributions from Lee, Paul Mary, and it's not just Barzell and Horvat and, and Dobson, but obviously, like you said, Dobson's been a huge catalyst for that. How about the play of this team without Adam Pellick? I think everybody was everybody was already a little nervous just because of the way this team was playing with him in the lineup and all the blown leads. He ends up going out, and it looks like they're doing all right with him out so far. Just um, how's the defense look without Pellick in there? Look, obviously the shot attempt numbers haven't been pretty the, the, the last two games. <laughs> I don't think anybody would uh, would argue otherwise, and, and there's probably some stuff that, that they still need to to clamp down on. But at the end of the day they're getting results right um and and that's what matters um and they have the kind of goaltending where they probably don't want it to be this slop-sided don't get me wrong you know they can survive in games where they're maybe spending a little bit more time than you would want in the defensive zone especially when Sorokin and Barlamov are, are playing well and I think you've seen both of them really really step up in the last handful of games uh and that and that's helped lead to it and and, you know, we can talk to about uh, Dobson again and, and Romanov as well and, and the way that, that both of them have really stepped up, you know, dealt with more and more minutes, dealt with being in situations, you know, Dobson going on the left side for a few games. That's a, an unfamiliar spot for him. And, you know, he's been absolutely adaptable and, and fine and just has has shown himself to be, you know, able to, to really do whatever they've needed from him. And, and that's been huge. Ethan, if I told you that the Islanders were top three in the league 
in high danger chances for it five on five play. What would you think of that? I would act. I, I would actually be a little bit surprised to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, <laughs> like it kind of speaks to you know the fact that the quote unquote issue with this team, right? And it's not the traditional issue with the Islanders has been defense, right? They've they've scored goals. You know the the attack has has been there. I you know I guess I would be a little bit surprised that it's top three but i certainly wouldn't be surprised that it's you know whatever top 10 they've played well in the offensive zone they're they've gotten points from the guys they need to get points from the power play has been good all of that is is kind of clicking well it's just you know can they get enough shot suppression can they suppress high danger chances enough to clamp down and and win these games and and hold these leads and we saw them do that in in florida and we saw them well, I don't know if I would necessarily say they they did it in Carolina with the last second goal, but you know they came out of it with a win. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, obviously with goaltending, Sorokin's should be the clear starter. His stats aren't great, but again, stats won't tell you the whole story. But I guess looking back, even though it's early, how important was it that they kept Varlamov around? You know that that's always been Lou Lamarillo's mo, right? Is you start with goaltending and and you build from the back out, and he's done that for decades now. Since since he's been in the league, I, I don't think there was ever, uh, unless Semyon Varlamov wanted to go, which, you know, he never really seemed to have any inkling of wanting to do. I don't think there was ever much of a chance of of him going because the Islanders were were going to put a premium on backup goaltending, right? Um, and, and they knew that, you know, as important as Ilya Sorokin is to this team, having strong backup is is also huge you you don't know when Sorokin it might get hurt or is he gonna just be having a little bit of you know not even a cold stretch I, I don't know if I would even call it that from him earlier in the season but just a stretch of not quite being the sort of superhuman Ilya Sorokin who, we, who we've gotten used to seeing and and you might say okay well we're gonna go to playing the backup every other night for a little bit versus every every third or fourth night Varlamov has accepted that role without any complaint he's he's supported Sorokin all the way and he's done a great job for them and you know he deserves a lot of credit for that and the Islanders probably deserve a lot of credit for for recognizing just how important that was yeah he's he's been great pretty much every game he stepped in and you know uh you probably do need a, a backup of his caliber if you're going to be giving up around 40 shots on goal every night <laughs> yeah. But but Ethan, the the last one I'll leave you with. I was kind of wondering aloud here. Just okay, we we saw everything that the Islanders did leading up to this week, right? And then they pull out nearly three wins against three really good teams in the season. So I'm just like, who is this team? What what are these Islanders <laughs> that we're watching? And and we talk about all these wild stats where there's they're towards the top of the league here and top of the league there, bottom of the league there. It's just up down left and right all over the place. So are you able to put a finger on what sort of season this this team is going to have the rest of the way now with this body of work? Or is it going to just kind of be like, we'll see which eye on the team shows up on a night in, night out basis? Yeah, you know, I was um, I was thinking and I, I don't think that there's such a thing as, as a stat for this. But, you know, the um, the, the deserve to win meter on money, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I think the Islanders are probably the team. Of, of all 32 of them where you can take that and just chuck it out the window on a <laughs> nightly basis. Like it just, it matters. They, they have a tendency of, of winning games where you look at the shot count and kind of the game flow and say, they have no business pulling this out. And right. they have a tendency of, of losing games where it's the exact opposite so far. So 
I guess it's kind of a question of uh, of which end of that trend kind of starts breaking in a more logical direction first, right? It's a great question. I mean, right now I I see them as, and and I think I probably said this when we talked before the season as at least results wise, I I still think that they're gonna end up in probably a similar place to last year, right? You know, they'll be fighting for a wild card spot and. Will they get it? I don't know, but I, I, I kind of think they'll be in it at least until until the end. So, hey, if, if and if they get in, maybe they'll maybe they'll make some noise, and they certainly have the goaltending to do it. Yeah, I think it's just been so all over the place. It's really it's hard to put a finger on this team. But Ethan, always a pleasure having you on, man. Thanks a lot for your time tonight. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Of course, you too. Thanks so much. You got it. Take Thanks, care. bud. All right, folks. That was Ethan Sears of the New York Post joining us on the line here at Hockey Night in New York. Stefan, how do you feel about taking a break? To go home or you know, to keep going? No, no. Oh, we got to oh, keep talking. Oh, miles, oh, oh, yeah. We got oh, questions yeah, waiting sure. for us. Yeah, yeah we can't go just yet, but maybe just a short little break. You know? Yeah, let's so do it. Why not? Yeah. All right. Well, before we do, I'm going to tell you all about Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and for open play, food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Our staff will help you find the right game from old favorites to the hottest new releases. We have everything from strategic to easy party games. Get off your screens for a night your family will remember. Looking for meetups to join? Our Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, Lorcana, and organized play communities are welcoming for all. We also do parties and corporate events. Located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to mainstboardgamecafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game. With that, folks, I want to thank you once again for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockeynightny and your favorite podcast providers. We'll be right back. Attention all artists, storytellers, and creators of all kinds. It's time to make your content stand out above the rest. And Floored Media is the place to make your visions become a reality. Maybe you want to elevate your podcast and add some video. Or turn that novel you wrote into an audiobook. Or maybe you just need the right space to produce your daily vlog. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, and no matter the project, Floored Media has the professional facilities, exceptional staff, and intimate atmosphere to breathe life into your creative passions at every step of the process. If it's engineering, production, live streaming, or post-production, you name it, Floored Media does it all. Conveniently located in the heart of Rockville Center and only a 30-minute ride from New York City on the Long Island Railroad, your creative incubator awaits. Go to FloredMedia.com for more information and email contact at FloredMedia.com for packages, rates, and availability. Hone in on your unique voice and start your project with Floored Media. And now, it's time for What's on Tap. A look ahead at the Islanders' upcoming schedule. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to look ahead at the Islanders' upcoming schedule. And starting on Tuesday, they open up a six-game homestand. Three of those will happen this week. Tuesday begins with the San Jose Sharks. They are 6-16-2, currently playing the New York Strangers. Hey, uh, Shoeless Jake, you got an update for us? 3-3, three to three. so there you go. The Sharks showing some life after giving up, what, back-to-back 10-goal losses not too long ago, right? Yeah, it's such an AHL team, but anyway. They're holding their own against one of the better <laughs> teams in the league, though. It's it's crazy. Again, that's why we love this sport, right? Yes. It's crazy. Yeah, I think they, they, they got their first road win, actually, not too long ago, just against the Devils. They oh, they had, killed they them. They hadn't won a game on the road. And they killed them. What was the final on that one? 6-3. Damn. Yeah. Okay. 
So, you know, look, it's it's the NHL. Things can happen on any given night. I mean, I remember like a couple years ago, the Coyotes would just kill the Maple Leafs. They just beat them every time they played them. It makes no sense. Again, right. greatest sport in the world, greatest league. So, Sharks on Tuesday. Thursday, another bottom-end team in, in this league, uh, another uh, basement dweller in the Eastern Conference. That is the Columbus Blue Jackets sitting at 8-13-4. and four. Uh, they are still bad, <laughs> just like last season. Uh, they sat Patrick Laine for a couple games, right? Not too long ago. Yeah. He's been back in. He felt most he's, embarrassed he's ever felt in his career. So he said, I believe he's on like a three-game point streak, so I guess maybe it woke him up a little bit, but they're still not winning games. They're still not performing very well. These are two games to start off this week where you have the, I don't know if there's a should-o-meter, <laughs> should, should you win or not, yeah. but those are two games the Islanders should win, especially at home, but we know with this Islander team... Uh, Anything can happen. And then on Saturday, they have a formidable foe, formidable foe coming in, uh, the Los Angeles Kings, who you compare them to their you know, uh, 2010 counterpart, uh, Stanley Cup winning Western Conference Chicago Blackhawks foes. They've done a much better job of retooling, getting back into the yeah. playoff mix. Uh, they got a lot of young guys there. And uh, you know, this is a team who's going to be towards the top of the Western Conference standings and uh, maybe even challenge for a Stanley Cup. It's so weird how the schedule makers work. The Islanders play three teams that were in the playoffs last year. They start this week. I mean, that's why it was so important to end this past week with the wins that they got. Again, we look back. Should they have gone 3-0-0 this past week? Yeah, probably, or at least 2-0-1. You know, to not get a point against the Devils is definitely a point. But heading the into the week, how did we have them? Everybody was probably like, oh, man, they'll oh, yeah. be lucky if they go, you know, 1-0-2 yeah. and two or something like now that. Now they right? really have the chance to build on. Yeah. Now, again, we talked about it last week, too, when they snapped the losing streak against Calgary. They can't lose that game now against Philly because then it's just a step backwards. So they had a sure. great team win where this could really be the, the turning point, locking down a lead. You can't go and get beat up by the Sharks. That just, that can't happen. I mean, it's well, hockey. It, it certainly could. <laughs> it certainly could. Yeah, but then you look at Columbus, and, you know, when we're talking about that team, we don't even bring up Johnny Goudreau. Like, he's just invisible. The guy the guy should... What, he's one of the better players in the league where he's star talent, and again, he makes a decision to go to Columbus, which is not a huge market, but... I don't even care that he didn't go to the Islanders. No, I, mean, I know. There's a lot of Islander fans that were upset about it. Apparently, they didn't even talk to him, whether that's true <laughs> or not. But, like, I just don't get Columbus. Makes like, no sense. Like, I mean, it's like he threw darts at a map and was like, all right, guess I'm going to Columbus. Like, it's just. I think it had to do a lot about his. I think his wife is a nurse or a doctor. They have a great mm. hospital there, but also he had a couple of teammates that he played, I think, Team USA oh, on that team. Okay. But again, like, even the whole thing with Babcock being brought in, like, what, what were you trying to do there? I don't know. Like, you yeah, started your season mess. on such the wrong foot, and then you thought maybe fire. Maybe the plan was hire Babcock, get everyone to turn on Babcock, fire Babcock, light a spark. But. You know, that did they, not work. They brought in some good defenders over the summer too. You thought maybe they'd actually bump themselves. Lincoln's is a pretty good but... goalie. It's just like this team. I mean, Rowenski's never really healthy. He's been yeah. healthy this year, but you just again, it's such a it's a mess. It's a mess in down in Columbus. You know, it'd be nice. The Islanders are due for a nice little like blowout win. Yeah, you know, like we we've all been kind of you know biting our fingernails through through all these games, right? Just trying to hold on to a, a one goal. You know, win or, or overtime loss, right? Like, it'd be nice to, to have them go in against, hey, both. That'd be nice, but at least one of these two teams coming up. And let's get a, let's see a 4 1 win or a 5 2 win. Yeah, let's see maybe an empty net goal. They haven't done that yet. Yeah, and they, yeah that, they have been notorious for that for years. But I think against, was it against Jersey or Carolina or whatever? They had a chance for the empty net. I think it was against Carolina before mm. they blew with two and a half seconds left to score. I think Horvat missed an empty net, I like by Lee a couple one inches. Too. Yeah. yeah. Like they're right there. <laughs> like, but I mean, it's close. those put games away. Yeah. That would probably obviously seal the deal against the Devils. Even even last night, I think Stolarz got pulled with three minutes to play. Then there were some icings and goes back in. Right. But right. yeah, that's your chance to really. 
put it away. Don't give that team that second chance late in the third period. And they haven't done that. If they score the empty net goals, they're getting the wins. And maybe other other games too. So that'll do it for what's on tap. You got two games that should be gimmies. They won't be. <laughs> And a game against the LA Kings is going to be tough. Which they'll kill. They'll I was probably just kill about them. to say yeah. they'll they'll probably go like one and one against the Sharks in Columbus, and then they'll they'll somehow manage to beat LA because that's just how the Islanders do it. And just to emphasize how well the the Kings are playing, they're they're thirteen four and yeah, three good. heading into today. So that's going to be a tough one. And before we head into uh, Hero of the Week, Stefan, did you want to talk about Simon Holmstrom a little bit? I did. I did okay. want to talk. Uh, he's on his uh, revenge tour here. I mean, there's a lot uh, of talk. Yes. He's silencing the haters, and I listen. Do people think that he should be a top-line elite player in this league? No. Do I think he's a top-six player? No. Did he get chances on the top line? Yeah, they had injuries. They wanted him to work. He's defensively sound. But right now, I think the third line is such a perfect spot. He's so defensively sound. He clearly has the chemistry with Pajot, which leaks into the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. guy's got three right. pe- uh, shorthanded goals, which leads the NHL. Yeah. But he had six goals and three assists in 50 games last year. And he has seven goals and zero assists this year, which I'll get to in a second, in 22 games. Now, did he miss chances to maybe have 10, 11, 12 goals this year? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, again, he's scoring more than he did last year, obviously a much higher rate. And the no assists part, when people say that, it it kind of bothers me because assists is such a stat that you need someone to finish. When he was playing on that top line with with, uh, Horvat and Barzal, Mm -hmm. it was probably three or four times where he set up Horvat coming down into the slot or back door that they don't bury on him. People go out on Holmes from not racking up. How do you not have any assists? Like, that's not Holmesum's job. Maybe maybe the pass has to be more on the line, but I don't think people should be that worried about the assists because that's as much on maybe not maybe the other teammate that's just not bearing his chances. But the fact that the confidence is there, he's scoring the goals, he's not sacrificing defense. I'm right. not saying he's Zach Parise. I just want to preface this. He's not Zach Parise, but when you lose a guy like Zach Parise, yeah. and you have a kid like Simon Holmes who's still young, that brings the the defensive play that Parise has, is scoring the goals, is providing strong play on the penalty kill. He's filling a hole, and so is a guy like yeah. Fashing, and so is a guy like Godier. It's a collective mm-hmm. unit, because the one thing that no one can bring is Parise's energy. Like sure. You can't mimic that, but sure. a guy like Holmes, you're kind of grooming him into be a Parise-ass kind of guy, whereas if the Islanders wanted to bring Parise back right now, like, sure, they probably would, I guess, if they, mm-hmm. if they really wanted to, but it helps when you have guys that you don't make it a necessity that Parise has to be back when a guy like Holmstrom is, is kind of doing the things that Parise was doing so well. Yeah, and a, and a buddy of mine said to me uh, a couple of days ago, just talking about Holmstrom and how he's been playing, you know, you, you were hopeful that he would maybe just be a bottom six guy and accept him for what he is, and now all of a sudden you bump him up to maybe he's a middle six guy, you know what I yeah. mean? He might be able to be a second-line player with the output. I mean, right now he's on pace for over 20 goals, which replaces that yep. or makes up for those goals lost by Zach Parise, so it's great to sit to see and and you, you mentioned secondary scoring before but you had back-to-back goals this week from him you had back-to-back goals from Pierre Engvall you mentioned Godier's goal so yeah look this the team is scoring by committee and 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 the lead guys are doing it too getting goals from Horvat and, and I feel like I feel like we're not even talking about Bo Horvat enough I asked Lean about him last night actually talk about it so he's got a three-game point streak and I asked him I said you know Bo Horvat's a goal scorer maybe he's not scoring at the rate that he was in Vancouver but I said what can you say about his playmaking mm-hmm He's got assist, just yeah, racking yeah. up the assists, yep. and he said he's another guy that's just stepping up, making the right play. Um, and he said the, the more important thing is Horvat's playing that 200-foot game. Again, remember last year when he wasn't scoring, people got on him, but he was deep in the zone winning board battles. He was getting the pucks up, mm-hmm. thing like that. And you look at, too, is that overtime winner against Carolina. Um, sure, did Barzal make that pass to Dobson? Did Dobson make a great defensive play? Horvat opening up for a one-time option for Barzal made the defender there yeah, yeah. have to back off Dobson. Right. And then once he got the pass back, I mean, if Horvat's not there, that's a two-on-one that the defenseman could probably play a lot better. But because Horvat opened up, that's never going to be on a stat sheet. 
It's right. a smart hockey IQ play, which changes everything, I think, in terms of how that play was able to work. Because Dobson said, I asked him, I said, were you always going back to Barzal there? Mm. And he goes, I had options. I could have gone to Horvat. Could have shot. That's what the, I wanted him well, to do. <laughs> he said, I could have shot, could have gone to Horvat. And I, you know, I just thought Barzal was the right play. But the defenseman, though, when he's seeing that, mm. he has to now... Be- be aware that Horvat's there. He can't just go to Barzal, and you oh, saw no, the slight it, hesitation, it and it's a goal. hamstrings him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, no, Horvat's been playing great. I feel like, you know, it's kind of cool. Like, he's just kind of doing what everybody expected and hoped that he would do. So, it's been quiet on him because there's not much to complain about. He's nearly a point-per-game player. He's, yeah. he's putting the points up. He's, he's getting some chemistry there with Barzell, and wouldn't you know, it's some training camp and, and getting some games with Barzell. He's looking pretty good. And one more thing about Holmes, that I don't want to forget. Sure. Again, everyone said he didn't shoot enough, which is he only has 23 shots in 22 games, but he's third amongst NHL forwards with a 30.4 shooting percentage. Just saying. Maybe there was rebound goals. Obviously, you just tapped them in like last night, but... Again, we talk about quality over quantity in this league a lot. <laughs> a lot of that for the Islanders. A lot of that. And again, you might say that Holmes should have more goals, but yeah. he is executing at a pretty high rate. If you told me he'd have seven games, seven goals to this point in the season, I'd be happy. So Holmstrom's looking good. It looks like he's a guy who's going to be belonging on this NHL roster. Because yeah. as I said, we weren't even sure if he was going to crack the squad going yeah. into the season. So that's good stuff. All right, so uh, why don't we go into Hero of the Week? Excellent. When you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week. Brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is The Godfather featuring Cappy Ham, Genoa Salami, Pepperoni, Provolone, Lettuce and Tomato, Oil and Vinegar on a Hero. So stop into the Huntington Blue Line Deli and Bagels all week to get half off The Godfather. Stefan, we're going to start with you. Who is your hero of the week? So my hero of the week is Julian Godia. And this uh-huh. is a guy that he got signed. You thought, okay, he got signed to be a depth forward. That's what it was going to be. He came into this team. You knew speed was a thing. That wasn't the issue. It was burying chances, more like Michael Grabner-esque, where you're going to get all these spe- chances, breakaways, you're just not going to bury. He only gets into two games of the first 14. Mm-hmm. Doesn't get a lot of minutes, but he's played the last four games and has seen a spike in minutes in every game against Florida. First off, he has probably one of the nicer goals of the year for the Islanders, and it was their first goal, I think, that came right off a face-off play. A design play, and I Looked think... like it. Going back to preseason and training camp, that was the shot that he kept showing off, whether it was in the scrimmages mm-hmm. of practice... I remember you mentioning or, it. Yeah. ...or the, uh, in a preseason game, and you're like, that... This guy gets a lot of, you know what, for not being able to shoot. Mm-hmm. He shoots hard. He, he shot the puck that produced the rebound for Holmstrom's goal. Also, that back check to mm-hmm. lead to that goal. I mean, he brought his A game against Florida. He gets moved up to that top line, gets a huge goal, and that's the game-winning goal. You know, that turns into the game-winning goal. So, good for Lambert, by the way, too, to trust his gut there to make that move because sure. we've seen what happened this year when Lambert <laughs> trusts his gut. It's usually backfired this year. And this one, again, you got to give credit to Lambert for making the move, but it's all up to Godia there to make the most of that opportunity. And Godia was, you know, we said, I didn't get to play a lot. It's awesome. I earned trust from the coach for the back check. I come through in a big moment. That That's good for a guy that, again, is trying to crack this roster. And I think now, not that he's the same player as Hudson Fashing, but he's doing a Hudson Fashing-esque type thing. We saw last year, Fashion got called up, mm-hmm. pretty much forced Lambert's hand to, I got to stay in this lineup. And Godia is doing that right now. Yeah, and what a rip that was off the face. So that was a beautiful goal. I'd love to see him <laughs> attempt more shots like that. Yeah, But yeah, I guess it creates a little bit of a question mark with guys like Godier, Fashing, and Matt Martin where, you know, who's going to get into the lineup and, and maybe you just see a rotation there. Maybe not one guy is just going to, you know, 
get the call every night. You know, you might just get Lambert saying, waking up in the morning and saying, you know what, I feel like uh, I feel like Martin should be the guy to sit tonight. I feel like Godier should be the guy to sit tonight, which is fine. And and maybe maybe his coaching decisions are, are, are regressing to the mean a little bit now, right, <laughs> where they're starting to pan out a little bit. And I guess you got to take the, the fire off of his chair a little bit right now, right, because they get the wins against some good teams. They're in a playoff spot. You can't fire a guy now after all that, right? So it looks like... You know his stay of execution extends a, a little bit more, and and maybe we'll see if they can uh, they can pick up after this. But uh. we we talked about Wallstrom with Ethan, and we've talked about it on the show numerous times. And I keep making the same point that there's too many. Bo- and Ethan made this point too. There's too many bottom six guys that play a bottom six role much better than Wallstrom. If he's going to excel in yeah. this team, it's got to be in a top six role. And I thought last night, you know, again after Lane kind of called him out against Carolina, mm-hmm. you're playing on the top line. Yeah, there's no Barzal, it's Lee and and, and Horvat, right, but. Right, right. Find a way to get a shot on goal. Like earlier in the game, he crashed the net mm. um, and didn't shoot it. He tried to like pull it to the net and he lost, got hit and lost the puck. And it's just if Walsham is going to get more chances and more minutes, he has a shooting lead. He's just got to take the shot. That's his bread and butter. He's talked about how much of a sniper he is. He's <laughs> right, got to start yeah. showing it because again, a guy like Godier, when you have to make those hard decisions, Godier is going to win the the job over Walsham. Right. And it, it's tough again for how much Walsham had to work to get back after the injury. He he's just got to find a way to to make the most of his chances because, like Ethan said, there's other guys that are doing that. Yeah, and look, if they if they keep winning yeah. with, with a Wallstromless roster, if you will, if they start, you know, if they keep skating, Godier, Fashing, Martin, whatever it is, and they win games with Wallstrom out of the lineup, he's going to stay up in the press box because they're, they're going to go with a winning formula. But uh, we might as well get to my hero yes, before, go for we, it, uh, before we move on. So this guy only played in two of the three games, but yet he is still my hero anyway. He was sick last night, but look, he had a, what, a goal and goal and two assists against Jersey, even in a losing effort, but he had a goal and three assists versus Carolina. One was obviously a huge one. That was the overtime winner. So a guy, seven points, two games, overtime winner. I think I got to give a hero to him. So uh, hero of the week, Matt Barzell, Julian Godier. There are your heroes. And now we're going to talk a little bit about our pals, at Isles Fix. Islanders Country, get your daily fix of Isles news, highlights, and analysis by subscribing to Isles Fix, the only Monday through Friday Islanders newsletter sent directly to your inbox. Sign up for free or become a paid subscriber for added benefits at islesfix.substack.com. And now I want to know how Ed and Jay are doing behind the gear. Fantastic. Fantastic. There you go. Yeah, you said fantastic. fantabulous to open the show. I was kind of thrown off. I thought you were going to easily well, go I'm with fantastic. To, you're the fantastic your toes, guy, man. and you're not fantastic tonight. So I my eyes are like watering right now. Fantastic guy tonight, Ed. You're always fantastic. Um, but yeah, we got uh, we got more gifts from Suter Sweets. Wouldn't How you believe it? They get? They're spoiling us at this I mean, point. Look at this. We got we each one. We got custom hockey night Christmas tree ornaments. Ornaments. Yes, one tis the season. And not only that. For the whole team, wow. they made us a beautiful New York Islanders logo that we are going to hang so, up here in the so studio. So we got delicious cookies notes. last week. Now we have beautiful arts and crafts. We have ornaments to put on our trees. Uh, I'm a big Christmas guy, so th- this is huge for yeah. me. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to putting these on the tree. So once again, Suter Sweet Treats, thank you so much for uh, for thinking about us in, the, in this holiday season. And uh, folks, definitely check them out on Instagram, at Suter Sweet Treats. Uh, they deliver anywhere in the country, and uh, you can place an order. You get custom cookies for any kind of theme, any kind of event that you're having. So check them out. Wonderful people. People over there, and thank you once again to Suter Sweet Treats. And now, yeah. well, what I want to say is, I got my me and my girlfriend moving to an apartment. Hey, we have a Christmas tree. Okay, so there, there you go. go. We just put it up there. Just make sure it's up before the twenty fifth. Yeah, we got time, right? What's the date? <laughs> yeah, you're you're good. Okay, you're the third, I think, right? <laughs> All, All right. right, why don't we do some questions, buddy? Yeah, let's let's uh, cue the. Cue it's the, time. Who is for this guy, by the way? Brewing. 
So go ahead. Ask us a question. All right, Ed. Fired up. Questions brewing. What do you got? All right. We're going to start off. Uh, Trachia 19. Guns blazing tonight. The Islanders have played a bunch of teams with crappy goaltending. Flames, Sens, Devils, Canes, Panthers. Can they continue scoring when they play a decent goalie? I think it's a fair question. Yeah. But, we- you know, I just, Trottier, why don't you want to be happy? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's okay. It's okay. It is the season. But, but yeah, I, I guess it's fair. You know, we have we have noted noticed that the Islanders aren't, aren't playing starting goalies of late. So, I guess you have to try to dial back the enthusiasm or at least just see, you know, how it goes when they actually play some starters because you, you want to see how they, they stack up against the best guys out there. So is it is it a reason to kind of wait and see? Yeah, I guess so. But look, they're getting wins. And, and look, we all joke about here on the show whenever the Islanders play a backup, they get crushed anyway, right? Yeah. They lose all those games. So, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't, I guess. Well, yeah. I think the test will be Saturday against the Kings if Cam Talbot's in goal because... He's 10-4-1 with a 2.02 goals against average, 9.28 save percentage. He's been incredible. Him and Jonathan Quick are probably the best storylines in terms of goaltending right now. We thought Quick's career was over. Yeah, he's, I think he's 1.99 goals against average this year. Cam Talbot was terrible last year, and he's really, I mean, these guys that are over 35 years old. So, yeah, but another thing, too, with the goaltending, crappy goaltending, whatever, is the Islanders are also helping themselves against the, like they're they're playing well against those backup goalies and exposing them a little bit it's not that the other teams are saying you know what our goalie stinks like they're earning their goals at times and even against the Carolina Hurricanes Kachekov wasn't great but when the Islanders had chances to score they found a way to score I mean that that's just again that's part of the league is a backup goal like you said could shut anyone out they're in the NHL it's not like they're playing ECHL goalies mm-hmm. these are guys that have won in this league before Kachekov had absolutely dominated the Islanders by the way in his career in a couple of starts. So it wasn't. it's not the case of just, here, take our scrub. Like Stolarz, too. They didn't play Bobrovsky last night, but Stolarz right. was playing very well this year, like very well. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and they found a way to expose his weaknesses. So you got to give some credit to the Islanders there. But, hey, if those teams are going to do that, those are two points anyway. It doesn't matter. Sure. Take them where you can get them. So this next question is a tandem question between two oh. of our viewers, one cool. being Mr. Tom Boyle, 13, and first-time chatter, the Filthy Arn, 13. So Tom starts by asking, do you see Bavillier returning this season? And the Filtyarn follows up, could Eberle make a return? We all like our former Islanders, don't we? <sighs> we all do. Um, no <laughs> to Bavillier, I would say no chance. And I would probably say slim to none with, with Eberle also. I mean, is he a free agent? This he summer? is a UFA, I he, yes. I mean, that makes... So is Bavillier. That's right, they both are. I don't, I don't see it. I, I could see it more with Eberle. So I disagree, but keep going. But, I mean, maybe you're taking the Barzell's best friend angle. A hundred. You want to keep clients happy, right? <laughs> Bavillier had a chance. Yes. Bavillier and Barzal are like brothers. And when I was mm-hmm. in Vancouver before Bavillier got traded to Chicago, I spoke with both of them. First off, I've never seen Barzal as happy as he was to talk about a human being. Mm-hmm. It was it was like literally twins that were separated. And we talked about the trade and how much Bavillier said he, Barzal made it harder on him. Because he was like, not ignoring it, but like he just texted him and said like, good luck. He couldn't talk about it. It was like really, really sad. Mm. And so when they got to see each other, they Mm. they said they hung out at Bavillier's house for an hour, just laughing, telling stories. Yeah. I Again, not at 4.12, whatever, 4.15 million. But if Bavillier wanted to take a two-year deal at 1 million or or cheaper just to come back here, keep your clients happy. Barzal's here long-term. If he wants to come back and be, he's going to have to earn it for sure. If they could bring him in on a short-term deal at a very low cap hit, especially with the cap going up, mm-hmm. 
Maybe Villiers figures something out in Chicago. Maybe you bring him back. But I think just if they have the chance to do it, they have the cap space and they want an extra depth forward, it can't hurt. Okay, so you're opening the door a little bit there. I mean, we a we got to see what happens the the rest oh, of yeah. the season because he because playing on Bedard's team, we might see on his point. line. That's what I'm saying. You Once play he with gets that guy, approved to get through, and the if border. he starts, if the numbers start going up, then he'll earn himself a contract and he'll price himself out of the exactly. Islanders because they can't pay Anthony Bavillier no. big numbers to come back. So it's a nice thought. Uh, I don't think either one of them are coming yeah, back. Yeah, probably not. But um, you know, Jordan. maybe there, maybe there's a small ray of hope for either one. Yeah. All right. Well, next up from MJ Beckman, does Lane teach defense different from Barry? Trotz's teams get outshot, but from perimeter, these guys get blitzed from the faceoff circle in. I think a lot of it has to do with Lambert's willing, willingness to get them to play more offensively. We saw it last year, which exposed the defense. Yeah, They've tried this year, but the structure the structure's just been so out of sorts that you're allowing shots from everywhere. I don't think it's really on Lambert. Again, you lose players like Pellick. That's going to destroy your structure, no matter what you well, thought Pellick was before doing. before he went But down. yeah, it was bad. Yeah, And I just think... I don't know what it is. Again, early in games, too, the structure was a little better. It's The third period is where their structure gets absolutely um, destroyed. It's it's a great question. I just think with Trotz, I don't know if he just held them more to be more accountable with those smaller f- details. But with Lane, it just simply they threw that out the window. I don't really know why. <laughs> yeah, and it probably has something to do with the fact that they are scoring more goals yeah. early because... I guess that is on, true too, right? I mean, they're on the attack more; they're opening themselves up more, but it's also opening themselves on the on the defensive end too. I guess my issue with it is just why haven't they been able to clamp it down yeah. after they get these leads? Like, fine, you want to play a little more wheel and deal in the first half of the game, the first two periods of the game to try to get some goals on the board, which they were hands down successful at doing. I mean, we we've seen you know they've seen the numbers of how many games they've they've come out and gotten a lead, scored the first goal, all that good stuff. But the problem is. After they get there, they haven't been able to solve, you know, keeping the goals against down. And I think there there probably is something to be said, you know, between the way Lambert's coaching compared to Trotz. I mean, you know, I don't know if he's if he's trying to go back to Barry Trotz clamp it down hockey or if he's still trying to keep things open a little bit. But either way, they're not getting it done. And I think there's something to be said, too, about the type of chances as well. It seemed because... We were we were a little more nonchalant in the Barry Trotz days when the when the shot totals against were yeah because because they were perimeter they were they were coming from the outside they were getting gobbled up by Sorokin gobbled up by Varlamov you know Leonard. no rebound <laughs> Leonard yeah whomever right Grice but I think I think now you're 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 kind of sweating a little bit more you know you're getting some some tough tough dangerous chances you're getting a lot of highlight real saves from Sorokin because he's he's being left exposed and thank goodness he's back there so yeah I think. I think there might be a little bit of a difference. I think I noticed what you're talking about, and, and hopefully it doesn't kill them. You made a great point, and it's so true. With Barry Trotz's teams, they were not scoring three, four, five goals a game. So the only way they were going to win is they, they kept it close. Yeah. And come, this is now, I'm not saying this is the mindset, but you bring up an excellent point, and maybe it is. Maybe instead of playing lock it down defense, go for that next goal, because we know we have the ability to do that. And I think, again, great point there. I think that's the difference. Barry's team did not score over three goals a game. They didn't have the ability to just, let's go add another one. We have to clamp it down to win. This group does, and they've showed it every game, have the potential to get that second, third, fourth goal and make separation. So I think the push for offense, because they have the ability to do that, is help is making the defense worse. Ed, what do you got? Next up from NZAB09. Despite the record, do you see any improvement in the overall team play? I, I think in terms of recently, they're getting the wins. They're getting the points. I think against Florida, too, is just... 
they they found a way to hold the lead. I, I think that's the biggest thing, again, is they've blown, even in the wins, too, against Carolina, they blow the lead late and win. So that's not a game where you go, oh, they, they fig- figured it out. I think for Florida, it was like, we got the goals, we got the timely goals, we did allow a goal in the third, but we found a way to hold on. That's the win where now you have to see them do that this week against the Sharks. Get a lead early, win the game. Against Columbus, get a lead early, win. Then after three games, if they do that, and we talk about the trend all the time is once the group does that consistently, that's when you're going to say, okay, they're back. They could, they proved to themselves they could do it. But if they go into the Sharks game and blow a lead again and win the game, like that's not, that doesn't tell me that they're improving in any phase. That just means they beat a bad team. Yeah, I, I am not comfortable saying the Isles are back yeah. in any any respect because you saw you still saw a lot of the bad habits happening. They just happened to get wins this yeah. time. Florida was good. That Yeah, Florida was probably the best sign yet, but literally that's one game. It's the most recent game. Let's see them build off of it. But, you know, you, everybody was asking, you know, about the Islanders' identity. What, what's their identity? Where's it gone? And the truth is, go and it kind of still is, their identity has been getting out to leads and, and blowing them. Yeah. Like that was, that's been their identity this season, and they got to get away from that. So, no, I need to see more out of this team before I'm ready. And, Stefan, do we have time for one more? Yeah, yeah. go for it. All right, let's do one more. Well, this one wasn't questioned, like questions brewing format, but I wanted to highlight this. That's uh, okay. Uh, so, DTMR uh, said last week, uh, I asked when uh, JG would score. Now, when will he get next five goals? Sorry. When, when will he, he get, get his next, next, five, next goals five goals? Now that he's got his first one. I think it's going to take at least. <laughs> 21 games. I think if he could just 15, focus on 15 more games playing defense with that line the way it's constructed again we have to see who he's playing with too is Godier went from the third line to the first line let's see how, let's see if Barzal is healthy a thing like that but for Pajot I think it did matter getting that first goal because he said to us he goes you know I'm not going to score 50 in this league but I know I have the ability to score so right. again though the good news is that other people de- they don't have to rely on Pajot for depth scoring like they won the game last time without him right. he had other guys step up so I think that matters more yeah MJ Beckman I just realized said game 82 ends up <laughs> so hopefully it's a little yeah. sooner than that but we'll see but yeah we, we got to see more out of this team just just overall it's been difficult to, to just kind of understand what this team is yet. You know what I mean? It's great that they're in a yeah. playoff spot. It's great that they collected points early on in the season. It's great that they're finally beating some good teams. But the manner in which they're doing it, just like, how do you be comfortable? They have a lot that, to right? prove. Yeah. They have a lot. Again, the good news, which we talk about all the time, and you started the show with it, is for as bad as they've looked in a lot of games for blowing the leads, they're in a playoff spot. They're in a playoff spot. We'll, we'll, see, uh, we'll see where it looks next week. But they're in a playoff spot for now. That's going to do it for Questions Brewing. We'll try to get to your questions next week if we miss them this week. And Ed... It is time to wrap this thing up. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night NY and your favorite podcast providers. Also want to send out a big thanks to Ethan Sears of the New York Post for joining us. Always a great spot with him. And also a big thanks to our sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. Check them out at bluelinedeli.com. Also a big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Find out how to unplug your game at mainstboardgamecafe.com. Also a big thanks to Razor and Kniff Attorneys at Law, Nobody likes going to court, but hey, if you have to, Razor and Kniff are ready to fight for you. Call 516-742-7600 for a free consultation. And also, a big thanks to Floored Media and Jay here. How How is Jay? Is it, what kind of mood is Jay in tonight? Is he okay? Uh, He's smiling now. Less, He's got less a grumpy than usual. Okay, that's good. Definitely. A little less grumpy. <laughs> yeah. Maybe because it's earlier. He's not sleepy yet. Yeah. It's not his yeah, bedtime. You, that might be it. But yes, that big thanks to Jay. 
and Floored Media. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, remember to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Stefan, where can we find you on the internet and social media? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter, X, or whatever you want to call it, at S-T-E-F-E-N underscore R-O-S-N-E-R, the Hockey News Islanders site, and NHL.com. That's right. You can follow myself on Twitter at Shawnee Hockey. You can follow the show on all social media platforms at Hockey Night NY. Check out the website, HockeyNightNY.com. For Stefan, for Ed, for Jay, for Shoeless Jake, I'm Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night in New York. We will see you next week.